Welcome to this new life podcast. It is our desire that you learn all of the benefits of the abundant life that you have in Jesus Christ, so you can live your life to its fullest. Listen and be encouraged. Oh, it's good to be home. It's so good to be here. Thank you. Amen. Man, I miss the worship of new life. There's no place like it. You have no idea. Don't take for granted what happens in this house. I've been all over the world, and let me tell you, when you come into this house, there's just something here. And, and because it's in the foundation of this church. Amen. And I need to jump right into this because I, I was sharing with Pastor Josella in the first service. It was like I, I came up here, and this flood hit me, and I had... You know, it's a 30-year anniversary, and then not having been here for a year, the last time Shadi and I were on this platform, we were uh, installing Pastor Josel and Mylene as lead pastors in the church. I just finished surgery, and uh, which I'm well and strong and healthy in Jesus' name, all is well. And uh, I was looking at an empty building. We had a few staff here, but, you know, we were under really, really EC, whatever it was, uh, <laughs> total lockdown. And so we, we finished. There was no people in the building. There's nobody. And, and now to be back here after a, a year, and when you come up here, there's just this flood of everything you want to say. And I have a clock in front of me, which I hate clocks. And, and you know, you have 30-year anniversary, and you haven't been here for a year, and you've got all this stuff that wants to come out, and you're thinking, okay, wait a minute. I don't want to drown people this morning. I want some kind of precision, so I'm going to do my best. And, uh, but I still have weeks and weeks to come. But uh, it's, it's, it's good to be here celebrating. Really, our anniversary was in May, but they wanted to wait until Shadi night came home so we could celebrate with you. Thank you. It's good to celebrate. What we're celebrating really is the goodness of God. We're celebrating the faithfulness of who he is and his plan and his purpose in a place and and with a people. When Jesus was talking to Peter and he said, who do men say that I am? And Peter answered and said, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, well, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. And I also say unto you that you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. He wasn't saying that Peter was the rock. He was talking to Peter about the revelation and an understanding, the wisdom and the insight to see clearly who Jesus was. That is the foundation of the church, the reality and the revelation of who Jesus is. That is the rock that this church is built upon. And, and there's two parts of the revelation here. And that is what has been the strength and, and the purpose in, in so much in new life is that we would gain a revelation of who Jesus is in our lives. If he's going to build his church, he's going to build it from the ground up. In other words, you have to lay a right foundation. The building that you build is at the mercy of your foundation. If your foundation is wrong, your building is weak. But if you get the foundation correct, there's a stability and there's a strength that when the storms come, when the floods rise, when it beats against the house, it stands. Why? Because it's founded on the rock. And that rock is the right revelation and the truth of who Jesus is. And the other part of that is when he told Peter, and I say unto you. So you see, there's twofold to the revelation. And this is one of the things that we've endeavored from the beginning of new life. Not only would you be able to see clearly who Jesus is in your life to you, but that you would see clearly how he sees you. That you get a revelation where Jesus says, and I say unto you, this is who you are to me. You need, it begins with a revelation of who he is to us, but what really seals it brings a peace and brings a strength and, and causes hope to stay alive is when you understand how he sees you and who you are to him. And you join those two things together and you realize that you are loved, you are accepted, and you begin to understand the goodness of God. I am so glad we sang that, that song. Uh, you, you know, Shadi's back and so you never know what's going to happen with the songs. And, uh, but that song, all my life you have been faithful 
and I will sing of the goodness of God. You know, in the very beginning of New Life, we had a phrase we said all the time. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Now, that may not sound so uh, fancy to you now, but let me tell you, 30 years ago, that was quite a revelation for people to understand because many people had religion and many people had a certain kind of experiences, but they did not know or believe or trust in the fact that God is good and he's always good. Devil bad, God good. Healing from God, not sickness, not disease, not disaster, not killing, not stealing, not destroying. No, that comes from the enemy, but God is good. And he loves and he forgives. And even if you've been unfaithful, God is always faithful. Your lack of faithfulness does not detract from the faithfulness of God. He's always good. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good. Doing, everywhere he went, he was doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know this may not be new to you, but 30 years ago, to tell people that he's good, he's for you, he's not against you, you can pray, you have authority over the devil. That the name of Jesus is above everything in heaven and earth and beneath the earth. You've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. No guilt, no shame, no condemnation. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's not just about a church experience on Sunday. It's about living in a victorious life full of hope and peace and authority on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. He'll make you a better dad, a better husband, better mom, better wife. He'll help you in your business. He'll give you wisdom. You can hear from heaven. You can be led by the Spirit of God. Listen, 30 years ago, people were going, you mean I can talk to Jesus? Well, certainly you can. You should every single day. You can hear from, you mean I can hear from heaven? Yes. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. This interaction of a relationship with a living Savior, that was the focus. That's the rock this church was built on. This is who he is to you. This is who you is to him. I know that's not good English, but it just kind of came out. Amen. Do you know who he is to you? Do you know who you is to him? You got to get both sides of the revelation. And for 30 years, that has been the emphasis. Amen. We, I'll share something in this service we came to Manila. We were living in the province, and, and when we first came to Manila, spending a little bit more time, the, the longest extended stay we had up here was 36 years ago. We came up, Ryan was going to be born, and Ryan was born in uh, Makati Med. And while we were here, we were here for about a month or so, and I was invited to do some Bible studies, which, which was kind of a, a crazy group of people. I mean, uh, a local pastor said, listen, I've got a Bible study that's in a penthouse, and these are some people from politics. There were, there were Aquinos. There were uh, people from the Marcos. There were uh, the Laurels there. Uh, we were able to lead three of the children of Doyle Laurel, who later went on to become the vice president, got them saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. And then we met other people. And let me tell you, this was a very unique Bible study. I'm not a good going to all the details. It was just very unique. I saw things there. And I was just a little Provinciano, and now I'm in the Manila, and it's like, oh, my goodness. But we met a, a couple ladies, and one who has become a very, very dear friend of ours. We met Josine Elizaldi. Started doing a Bible study in her house. And, and, and the Bible study in her house was one of the first Bible studies, actually, we ever did in Manila. Oh, that's where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. And the cool thing is, is the fact that we did the Bible study in Josine Elizaldi's house, which, like I said, Josine is, is, is family to us now. We, we love her dearly and, and her sons. And, 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 and then when God called us up to Manila and he led us to Alabong Hills, the first place we ever lived in Alabong Hills, and never knowing that he was going to lead us to start a church, and then eventually, and which started in Tito Joby's restaurant, and then when God led us to this property, and when we went to buy this property, we only had 200 people in the church. And 
when we went to buy this, people, this property, people thought we were crazy. I kind of thought we were crazy because we had one year to pay, no interest, but one year to pay. We had 200 people, 17 million pesos. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot. I mean, back then, this property was 5,000 pesos a square meter. You know how much it's worth now? And we said yes. But the cool thing about the story is this street out here is called Don Manolo Boulevard. Isn't it wonderful that the first Bible study we ever did in Manila was in Josie Elizalde's house? Don Manolo Boulevard just happens to be her grandfather. Isn't that cool? I just think that's just a cool story. Anyway. What's that? Yeah, just holy orchestration. And then... And, and, and God opened the doors, and, and through that Bible study, uh, amazing thing happens. Like, we, we came out of the province, came into Manila, and uh, I met the owner. I, I don't know if it was the son of the Inquirer. I forget the name. I don't know. Is the son still exists, a newspaper today? Maybe it does. And the owner of the son was Betty Gobel Monti. I met Betty in, in the Bible study, and then she took me to minister to a friend of hers, um, that needed prayer, and that's how I met President Ramos. Well, he wasn't President Ramos, he was General Ramos. And of course, she took me during a military coup and they thought I was CIA, but I wasn't. And so they, the Marines were not happy with me. And so she had to say, wait a minute, he's a pastor, he's here to pray. And, and, and oh, the stories I, I could tell you. And, and so in the, anyway, I started writing an article in the newspaper called From the Heart. And that didn't last too long because I didn't have enough wisdom. I was a little too strong, and so. Uh, but it's amazing. And then we moved up here. And uh, when we came up here, somebody said, there's, there's a lady that wants to know about the Holy Spirit. Could you minister to her? I said, you, you come with me. I'll talk to her. So we went to this meeting, and I shared with her about the Holy Spirit for about an hour and a half. Afterwards, she said, uh, would you pray about doing a Bible study in our house? I said, Sure. I mean, somebody asks you to pray. Of course, you say yes. So on the way home, I prayed. I said, Lord, you know I'm too busy to do this Bible study. Great prayer, huh? And then I said something else which sounded a little bit arrogant. And I said, Lord, you know, I said, Lord, I'm, I'm too big. I got too much going on to do a Bible study with three ladies around a dining room table. I mean, come on. I mean, I can just imagine it. Lord, I'm... I'm ministering to thousands of pastors all over the nation, and I, and I know why you told me to come to Manila. You told me to come here so I could travel around the nation and minister to pastors, and, 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 and come on. I mean, really, it's just, this just can't be you. So I went home, and Shadi said, so how did it go? I said, well, it went great. She asked me to pray about doing a Bible study, and she said, did you pray? Yes, I did. And she came back to me about 20 minutes later. She says, you know, I believe you're supposed to do that Bible study. And I knew she was right, but he didn't like it. Have you ever, has your wife ever said something to you and you know she's right, but you don't want to admit it? Just me and Edwin and Josel and Bert. Paul's, he's ignoring me. He doesn't want to acknowledge that. Yeah, so, and JB and Joey. Yeah, okay. And so we start, I, I called her up and said, okay, we'll do the Bible study. But I had a previous engagement. So the very first Bible study, Shadi actually did. She came home and I said, how was it? She goes, oh, I was three ladies around a dining room table. I went, oh God, I knew it. That which I greatly feared has come upon me. <laughs> we did the Bible study, three ladies. Next week it was five ladies. Revival. Week after that, it was seven ladies and one guy that had been strung out on drugs for like 17 years. And months go by, and now we're averaging about 65, 70 people on a Friday night. And this lady comes up to me one night, and she goes, Brother Paul, when are you going to start a church? I went, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to start a church. That's not why I'm here. Uh, I'm doing the Bible study because God told me to. So I came home. Shadi goes, how was it tonight? I made another mistake. I said, well, this lady came up to me and she said, you know, when are you going to start a church? And she goes, what would you tell her? I said, well, I'm not. You know, God said, do the Bible study. I'm doing the Bible study. And she came about, back about 15 minutes later. She goes, you know what? We're supposed to do that church. We're supposed to start church. I went, oh, no. And I knew she was right again. Yes, 
so I quit telling her things for a while, you know. <laughs> I, knew, I knew she was right. So we, we announced it. A month later, we started the church, 35 people in a restaurant. I led worship. That was scary. I would type out the words. I mean, we had no laptop. We had no overhead. I would type out the words on paper. People would look at the paper, read the words, and listen to me, my tune, my tone, my tempo, and try to follow me. When they came back the next week, I thought, man, this has to be God. If they can suffer through that, this must be God. And then it was five or six months later, Pastor Benny and Carmi heard from heaven, came from Baguio and delivered me and the congregation, and we had our first worship leader, and so Benny rescued me. The first Sunday of the church, I taught, why did Jesus come? Second Sunday of the church, I taught, who did he come for? And then I felt a stirring in my heart. For the next, I think, three or four weeks, I taught on giving. And, and I told somebody in the church, in fact, one of the guys that was first instrumental in introducing me to this lady, I said, yeah, I'm going to teach on giving. He goes, no, 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 you can't do that. Don't, 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 don't do that. He goes, you're new in the city. Nobody really knows you. And you're going to offend people. People are going to take it wrong. And, and you, 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 no, you can't teach on giving. You can't do that. And I said, listen, uh, it's, I'm going to teach on it because it's not what I want from them. It's what I want for them. It's not that I'm going to teach on giving because I need from them. I'm going to teach on giving because of what they need from him. And if we're going to offend people, let's go ahead and do it now and get it over with. And so we began to teach on generosity and giving and honoring God. That's a foundation stone in this church. When we came back a week or so ago after we got out of quarantine and we got out of the house, and I'm walking around in the church in the building and, and looking at it, how it's continued to grow and increase and just how beautiful it is. And, and, I'm, and I'm fighting back tears. I've been fighting them back all morning, just walking around here and seeing you and being in the house. I'm so grateful. In the midst of the pandemic, in the midst of, of COVID, in the midst of the restrictions and people can't, can't get into their buildings because they're in a mall or in a theater or because they, they haven't been able to gather and they can't make their payments, they, they can't make mortgage payments or rent payments and, and so many people are so restricted. I look at this and I go, this is our house. We own this. This property, this building, all four levels, this belongs to new life, totally 100% debt-free. God, you are so good. And in the beginning, when, when we were teaching, the Lord says, you must teach the people of this house. You must get honoring me because who I will be to them and who I must be in this church. He said, and, and do not raise money around the world. Do not raise money in America for this church. This must be a Filipino church. Now, again, I'm not, please understand what I'm saying. Don't anybody quote me on this. Don't anybody compare me to anybody else. Because other people with other churches do what they are supposed to do, however God leads them. I'm only talking about what God told me. And if God tells me to do it a certain way, that doesn't mean that's the standard. It means it's the standard for this house. It doesn't mean it's the standard for that church or that church. So you cannot judge what other people are doing. You can only be responsible for what he told you to do. And the reason he told us this is because I had no idea what was coming, that out of this house, we're going to become many, many other churches. And the Lord was saying, listen, I want you to build this church in such a way that no matter who comes from anywhere in the Philippines, when they come into this house, they see that I have done something in this house, not America, not Europe, not any other nation of the world, but Filipinos gave, sacrificed, and honored me, and I provided everything needed in this house, in this city, and if I can do it here, I can do it in Samar, I can do it in Leyte, I can do it anywhere in Luzon, I can do it in Mindanao, because I am the God of the Philippines and I am their provider. You must demonstrate it here. So people come into this church and they think, oh, because, you know, I'm an American, you know, that I have these contacts and I write letters and people send me all, you know, millions of pesos. No, no, no. We have never, in any time we've been in the States, we have never raised money in any nation for this church. You have built this church. Your faithfulness, your generosity, your honoring God. For the last 30 years, it's the people of the Philippines 
who loved God and trusted God and believed God and obeyed God that built this house, this property, this beautiful building. And it has been a testimony and an example to New Life churches, not only across the Philippines, but New Life churches in other nations because they said if God can do it there, he can do it for us. He's the same God. He's not limited by whatever nation we're in. Amen. We taught the integrity of the word that when you come together, you can believe him, you can trust him. We taught that God is good all the time. Worship, as you can see here today, this, this is not new. This is part of the DNA. This is in the fabric of new life from the beginning. Ron Canoli, for a number of years, came into the Philippines and visited. He did concerts in uh, the Araneta Coliseum. He did... He did worship meetings in uh, New Life. Of course, I remember one Sunday, Pastor Benny was so nervous because Benny was leading worship and Ron Canoli was sitting in the front row clapping for Benny while Benny was singing his songs. That was very challenging for Pastor Benny. But when we would first start doing our worship nights, we took a Ron Canoli music video, put it on the, on the stage, and we just kind of sang Christian karaoke. We just sang to Ron Canoli's songs because we wanted to build into the fabric of this house. We're going to worship him. And worship has been a part of the heart of this church from the beginning, always has been. You know, we were temporary communicators and teachers, but we will be eternal worshipers. The Bible says the time is coming when uh, the, the, the God is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. We are to seek first the kingdom of God, but the Bible says that God seeks true worshipers. Worship has been a part of it. We would have worship nights where we would go four hours and finally just have to kick people out, say, okay, four, you guys go home. I had friends of mine visit from the States, and they say, I've never seen anything like this. The people come in, and, the, and there's just this presence that comes in and just fills the place, and there's just such a hunger. It's in the fabric. It's God building this church from the ground up. When you lay a foundation of kindness and generosity and, and worship and prayer and authority of the believer and understanding who he is, and I appreciate so much Pastor Paul Giagi taking responsibility of uh, New Life Community Care Foundation and, and the outreaches that we have done over the years with Undoy here in Montanlupa, Yolanda in Tacloban, going into Kathmandu. But many of you don't realize that the very first year of New Life was, was also Mount Pinatubo. And somebody gave a, a, a great offering to New Life, which enabled us to fill up uh, large trucks. And we went up to the the areas outside of where the lahar was and were able to distribute thousands of boxes of mosquito nets, blankets, milk, coffee, sugar, and, and, and just passing out. We were a brand new church. We weren't even a year old yet. And we were out there because the Bible says Jesus was acquainted with grief and sorrow. In other words, he didn't mind getting around pain. And if we're going to make Jesus real in our church, it doesn't always come from the platform. Sometimes you're going to have to get your hands dirty. Never be afraid to get your hands dirty and let Jesus know in the mud and in the blood, in the pain and the hurt and the sorrow, he will step into the middle of that and bring encouragement, restore hope, bring some peace and show his mercy and loving kindness that never fails. That is a foundation stone in this house. We've, did, we've done it for the, from the first year of new life. It's not because we're so wonderful. It's because we opened up our hearts and we allowed the Spirit of God to show us the kind of church he wanted us to be. Anytime God begins a church, anytime he starts a church, it needs to come from the heart of God, not the head of a man. We don't need vision and ideas that comes out of a man's head. We need vision that comes from above. And when it comes from above, it's always bigger than you can believe. It's bigger than you are. Ambition for your future is something that you can accomplish with a lot of sweat, tears, and hard work. Vision without God is impossible. And that's why God gives vision. Because without him, you can't bring it to pass. And we allowed from the beginning, allowed God to show us, this is the kind of church I want you to be. 
it doesn't mean that we're any better than anybody else because we're not. It just means that, yeah, but we do things other people don't do. Yeah, because that's God's heart for this house. And God's heart for this house doesn't mean it's going to be the same as every church. Every church is not the same, but every church that allows the heart of God to come into it and then be demonstrated through it will add their supply to the overall body of Christ in the city and in the nation. We're not the biggest church in the Philippines, but I tell you this, and I know this for a fact because I know the pastors of the largest churches in this nation. We as a church, we have a supply that we bring into the body of Christ. Why? Because we've yielded and allowed the Spirit of God to pour His heart into our heart, and we have walked out what He's wanted for this house. And it adds a supply, and it brings an influence. We're not trying to be the best church in the city. There's no such thing as the best church in the city. We just want to be the best that He's called us to be. We want to be faithful and willing and obedient to whatever he's told us to do. We, want, we had a vision for a church where his truth would be taught, his presence would be manifest, generosity displayed showing God's goodness, where every generation and age group would have an encounter with Jesus, where people become free to live a new life in Christ, where we would build godly and spiritual relationships and friendships that are genuine and last so we could encourage one another through the storms of life because we genuinely, we do life together. I will forever be grateful, Shadi and I both, to the love of you two. 30 plus years, you believed in us, you loved us, you supported us, and we weren't always right because we were doing things we've never done before. I know we've made some mistakes along the way. But you're always there. This friendship, this relationship matters. Bert Lucien, this man was pushing cars out of the way in a parking lot across the street from the restaurant, sweeping up the grease and the dirt from underneath the cars and holding children's church under a tin roof. The most important thing that we needed to take care of for children's church is when they walked out of the restaurant to cross the street to go to children's church is they did not get run over by a car. And there's Pastor Bert, faithful, every single Sunday. He quit working at a bank. His family thought he was crazy. Quitting working at a bank and all of the the seniority and the years that he put into the bank to become a children's pastor of a church that meets in a restaurant and children's church is in a dirty parking lot. Are you nuts? Have you lost your mind? But he knew what God wanted. Listen, despise not the day of small beginnings. God looked at the little tiny seed that was planted and he says, listen, you look at the size of the seed, but I see what I put in there. If you'll just plant it, if you'll just water it, if you'll just take care of it, I'm going to bring something out of, out of this seed that's going to freak you out. I have things planned for you you're not even aware of, but just do what I want you to do now and then I'll take you from step to step. Don't try to figure out that step. Just be faithful with this one and then this one. And then the next one, quit trying to figure out out there. Just obey here. And as you do, I'll unfold and I'll reveal and I'll give you more wisdom and I'll give you more strength and I'll give you more provision. And you will see that what I have for you is exceedingly abundantly above anything you can ask, think, dream, hope, or imagine. Ephesians 2.10, Amplified Classic. We are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, that's us. Recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do good works. In other words, God didn't just want us to go to church. He has some things for us to do. We've always communicated that. New life, we have some things to do. We have a city to touch, a nation to reach, and a world to change. Listen, we can make a difference in our generation. And you embrace that. I am forever grateful for the generation of people for the last 30 years that have embraced that and said, yeah, come on, we can make a difference. God has some good works for us to do, which he predestined, planned beforehand for us taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. 
And how did we do it? Well, we did it by Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Amplified classic also. Not in your own strength. Not in your own ability. Not because you got it figured all out. Not because you know exactly what you're going to do. Because to be honest with you, sometimes we didn't have a clue. We're doing things we've never done before. Noah was not a boat builder. The majority of people in the New Testament that did something had never done it before. That means you're going to have to trust him. You're going to have to rely on him. You're going to have to hear from heaven. Not in your own strength. For it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you. Energizing and creating power and desire. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure, satisfaction and delight. This church has come together for his good pleasure, his satisfaction, and his delight. And that you do all things without grumbling and fault-finding and complaining against God, questioning and doubting among yourselves, that you may show yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated, children of God without blemish, faultless, unrebukable in the midst of crooked and wicked generation, among whom you are seen as bright lights, stars or beacons shining out clearly in a dark world that's you and i ephesians 4:16 as we celebrate 30 year anniversary it's not celebrate i'll be honest with you pastoring the church has probably been one of the greatest challenges of our life You know, when the Bible says that the good shepherd lays down his sheep, lays down, lays, not lays down his sheep, lays down his life for the sheep. Yeah, you kill the sheep to save your life. No, I got that verse backwards here. No, no. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. No. That the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We wanted to be good shepherds. It cost. We've been through some painful things. But not only has it been an incredible challenge, it has been the single greatest rewarding, most joyful experience, the most fruitful thing that I believe we will ever, ever, ever put our hands to in our life on planet Earth. I believe that our ability and our joy and our privilege to be a part of God's heart for this house where we did our part. Because listen, you may plant a seed, but after you plant the seed, the last 30 years, people have had to watch over the seed, weed around the seed, care and protect and water and then as the tree began to grow you have to prune it you have to take care of it you have to nourish it so it gets to the place where it begins to bear fruit that's not a one person job that has been done by a multitude of people for the last 30 years and many of uh, some are here today and, and and some are watching online i know marjorie lapinko god bless you marjorie it was Marjorie and her cook and her cooking. We did a Bible study, and it brought Pastor Joey in. Somebody invited him, and he came. Not because my teaching was so good, but the food was exceptional. And week by week, he would come back. I was deceived, thinking it was me. But the Pontic Molo was better than my revelation at that point. But that doesn't matter. God knows what bait to use to catch the fish. And so I am grateful for the people that have opened up their homes and through their giving and through their generosity. And Jesus comes in and he grabs a hold of you. And 30 years. Ephesians 4, 16, for because of him, the whole body, the church in all its various parts, closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments with which it is supplied. When each part with power adapted to its need is working properly in all its functions. 
grows to full maturity, building itself up in love. Everybody has a gift. Everybody has it. You have time, talent, or treasure. You have the prayers. You have the worship that you release in the house. Whether you've been an usher, you've worked in traffic. You say, well, pastor, I haven't really had an opportunity to serve. You came into this house. You came in and you worshiped with us. You brought your heart in here. You were in agreement with what we were doing. You sowed, you gave, you honored God with your, either your first fruits, your tithes, your offerings, but you helped build something beautiful that has not only strengthened this house, but has gone out around the nation. Shadi and I are so grateful for the people that we've had an opportunity to share with life, life with over the years. Sitting in my office today thinking about people from the beginning, like Romlin, I don't know if you're here or if you're watching online, but people that we've known for a long time, Romlin, I've known Romlin from back in the days in Kalibo, and her family from Ibahai and her sister Christine. We've known those people 37, 38 years, and, and, and the Labors, and, and Pastor Bill, the very first man that we ever met, and, and these relationships. When we talk about what God is wanting to do in the church is to build relationships and friendships that people are there with you to see you through the challenges that you face in life so nobody stands alone. When we say we do life together, nobody is supposed to do life alone. We mean that. That means even if you do something stupid, we don't walk out on you. We believe the best for you. We pray for you. We'll be honest with you. We want to encourage you, but we are willing to stand with you and fight with you so you can win, so you can overcome, so you don't give up, so you don't quit. This is what Jesus wants in our life. This is what we believe he wants in our church. And everybody has a part to play. 1 Corinthians 3, 5, Amplified Classic. Who is Apollos? Who is Paul? Yes, my name is here. Hallelujah. <laughs> Ministering servants. Did you hear that? Ministering servants. Not heads of parties to whom you believed, even as the Lord appointed to each his task. I planted, Apollos watered, but God. Everybody say, but God. But God all the while was making it grow, and he gave the increase. So neither he who plants is anything or he who waters, but only God who makes it grow and becomes greater. He who plants and he who waters are equal, one in aim and of the same importance. Why? Because the focus is what you're planting, not who's doing the planting. It's what you're planting. It's what you're growing. We have never promoted personalities. There is one personality we have always endeavored to promote in this house, and his name is Jesus. Not me, not Shadi, not any pastor. Our goal has been to promote him and to make him known and real in people's lives. So neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but only God who makes it grow and become greater. He who plants and he who waters are equal, one in aim and the same importance and esteem. Yet each shall receive his own reward and wages to his own labor. We are fellow workmen joint promoters, laborers together. What are we promoters of? Not ourselves, but what we've planted, the church. Laborers together with and for God. And you are God's garden and vineyard and field under cultivation. You, new life, you are God's building. And according to the grace, the special endowment for my task, which I seriously needed, of God bestowed upon me like a skillful architect and master builder, laid the foundation, and now another man is building upon it. Let each man be careful how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. 30 years of willingness, faithfulness, and obedience, people adding their supply. Pastor Bert, thank you. You and, Lu you and Lucien, Paul and Heidi, thank you. Edwin Millette, thank you. Joanna, thank you. JB, Moan, Leigh, thank you. Stephen, thank you. Jane, God bless you for what you have to deal with in handling me and Sister Shadi, and now Joe Sell and Mylene. 
you need much prayer. Froyland, thank you for always being someone that if I didn't know what to do, I needed something done. You're always willing. You would do anything. You would show up. It didn't matter if it was something for the church, if it was financial, or my car was broke. You're always willing to find an answer to fix something. Rico and Noni and all the people in the accounting department, communications, Marissa Roque and all the team that works with you, and Crossroads, Moan and Lay. Rico, thank you for the way that you have worked so diligently to be faithful to handle the finances of this house, that, that we are good stewards of the people as they trust us with their money, that we use it properly to take care of this house. Lay, working with gatekeepers, which before we had marketplace ministries with Boy and Mary Lou Deborah and then Dan and Bernie Lachica. Pastor Bert, you went from children to jubilant believers, but that was quite a step. <laughs> Bless coming in and oh, never mind. Yeah. Brother Kiko, a kingdom advance team. My beautiful daughter-in-law, Micah, heading up Little Legends. Nash with the worship team. Edwin and Millette with the network and missions. Again, Pastor Joey and with Gam and Baby for Next Steps Department and Wonder League and Jinnup, Pastor Rayanne, Youth Collective, Pastor Heidi, Teen Encounter, Cox and Stephen, FNL. You know what blesses me when I look up here and I think that we're celebrating 30 years. Stephen was only three years old when we started this church. Moan was only nine when we started this church. Eric, and how old were you? Joey said he was... 25. Okay. You know, when you look at all the people that are up here, I didn't want to go into all their ages, but some of these people, a lot of them weren't even 9, 10, 11 years old. We started this church. But the beautiful thing of it is you see a generation of people that are up here that are ready to take this into the next generation. Let me share something with you just to be a little direct. Sister Shadi and I are not old. I'm going to say that again. Say, we are not old, we are not tired, and we are not weak. We are not worn out. And you can see as she gets up here, this woman's still got a whole lot of God in her to pour out. I have a whole lot. Listen, I am still very, very strong, and I can still what God wants, do what he wants me to do. But the reason that we installed this wonderful couple here is not because we were tired and we were done. It's because it was time, and it was the right season, and this is what God wanted to do. Because the church must go forward. I need to read this to you real quick. I want to thank the people of New Life. Those of you that are here, those that are watching, and I know this is recorded because for 30 years you've trusted and believed and owned and supported the vision of this house. You are a wonderful, faithful group of people that have been part of a miracle that will only continue to grow and increase and abound. You have partnered with God and touched this city, touched other cities. You have reached throughout a nation, and you have really brought change to other parts of the world. You have helped to build a house that is a testimony to the goodness and the faithfulness of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, Remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly, but he who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously and with blessings. Let each one give as he has made up his own mind. Listen to the Holy Ghost. It's not someone whispering in your ear. It's the Spirit of God speaking to your heart. And let him make up his own mind and purposed in his own heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in and prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon or do without. Cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it givers whose heart is in their giving. And I want you to catch this. This is for you. And God is able, right now, where you are, in here, in this house, watching online, whatever your situation is, and God is able 
to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing in the middle of any pandemic come to you in abundance so that you may always, under all circumstances and whatever the need, be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid to support, and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. As it is written, the benevolent person scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. And God, who provides seed for the sower and bread for food, for eating, will provide and will multiply your resources for sowing, and he will increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. Shadi was sitting in the house the other day, and we are talking. She goes, you know what? I look at the faithfulness that God has shown to our house, and it reminds me, over all the years, this house has always shown kindness, and it's always been generous to churches and ministries around the nation. We never cut people off. And the generosity of this house is caused the provision to be consistent. Paul, right into the Philippians, he said, look, I'm not eager and I'm not looking for your gift, but I do seek and I'm eager for the fruit which is increasing to your credit. The harvest of blessings that is accumulating to your account and my God will liberally supply Fill your every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I want to finish with this verse. Well, I'm not really going to finish. I'm just going to stop. Jeremiah 23, 3. We have always endeavored to see this verse demonstrated here in New Life. I do. I cannot share today without commending and thanking Shadi and I both. I'm speaking for both of us. The gratitude and appreciation over the last year as we went to the States, my mom passed, I was recovering from surgery. I've not stood in this house for a year, but I have watched this church lead the way and help many other churches, not only in this city, but around the nation, show them how to get online. And when the church can't come to you, you go to them. I have watched the diligent effort and the work day by day, night by night, of the team here led by Pastor Joselle and Mylene work tires, tirelessly to minister to your needs, to minister a word of hope and encouragement, a, a word, a timely word that will let you know, regardless of the pandemic, regardless of the circumstance, God is greater and there is no limit because he's building his church and the gates of hell and COVID will not prevail. And whatever the limitation, whatever the boundary, whatever the pain that has come your way, it's an opportunity for new testimonies to be written into your life. The Lord said, I will gather the remnant of my flock to the countries where they've been driven. And I will bring them back to their folds. They shall be fruitful and they shall increase. And I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them and they shall fear no more, nor shall they be dismayed, frustrated, or filled with anxiety, nor shall they be lacking because of the shepherds that I bring into my house. And Shadi and I want to thank you, Josel and Mylene, Edwin and Millet, and all of the pastors that have supported them and all of the staff for your ministry and your love to this flock that they do not fear, that they do not lack. And I believe that our most glorious, wonderful days are ahead of us as God begins to pour out His Spirit in amazing ways that in this darkness and in this confusion and in this pain and in this uncertainty is going to come wisdom and direction and a vision for the future is going to come miraculous provisions. How many stories do we have in the Bible of miraculous provision and deliverance and healing and health? These are the days for testimonies to be written in your life. And you have shepherds set up over you who love you, who will lead you and feed you and guide you and guard you because that's the heart of this house because we will continue to do life together. <sighs> Amen. Happy anniversary.
Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Joselle Mylene, you come on up. You've got something to say. Father, thank you. I, and I know I, I, there's so many names that I didn't mention. If you're here and I didn't mention your name, I, don't re I just can't remember all the names and I don't have them all written down. But you are loved and you're valuable. And whether a man mentions your name or not, God has seen everything you have done. And though he forgives and forgets your sins, your heavenly Father never forgets what you have done for his kingdom, his church, and the saints. You are seen and appreciated and the hand of the diligent and the faithful shall be blessed. We have this church today because of the faithfulness of so many unnamed people. And Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for every home and every family here and online that you are invading their homes, their hearts, and their minds and causing a fresh faith to come alive on the inside. That they don't just attend to this church, they belong to this church and we're family. And you are doing miracles in their life. And so we are grateful and thank, thankful for all you are and all you do and all you have yet to do. Make us prisoners of a great expectation for our future as we go into year 31 in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that God's powerful word can bring a change in your situation and transform your life. So we encourage you to share this message to your family and friends so they too can know of the new life that God has for them. If you prayed to receive Jesus for the first time or was simply blessed by this message, we invite you to connect with us. Follow us on Facebook at newlife.ph, Instagram at newlife underscore ph, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, New Life Media PH. You can also email us at connect at newlife.ph. We will be so glad to hear from you. To support the ministry, please visit newlife.ph slash alabang slash give. Your generosity is greatly appreciated. God bless you.